turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received. And these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now I won't read any further from the book of Acts, but if you paid attention, you understand this church in the city of Thessalonica was born in rough times. And right from the very beginning, persecution occurred. So when we talk about the church in Thessalonica, uh, this church was started by the Apostle Paul and his co-laborers. Uh, there was an incredible amount of opposition. Uh, praise the Lord, the Thessalonian believers stayed faithful to the Lord. And they had a great testimony. Uh, they kept on sharing the good news all around about. We we'll saw, saw that in the first letter. And now we have a follow-up letter where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, encouraging them in the midst of these trials. So now let's go over to 2 Thessalonians, and I'll read verses 1 through uh, the end of the chapter, all right? Paul and Silvanus, otherwise known as Silas, and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulation tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the power, the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's briefly pause for prayer. Thank you, dear God, for your eternal precious word. And we thank you for how your word has touched the lives of so many here. And uh, you have reached down and saved your people, Lord. We thank you for this. And we thank you for the instructions that you've given us from your word. We pray that you guide my words as I speak. I pray that it be clear. And 
control the power of your Holy Spirit. May you work and change us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on the subject of encouragement through hardship. Now, the Apostle Paul is speaking to an audience, to a church that has indeed gone through a time of trial, continues to go through a time of trial. And he speaks to them very encouraging words when he speaks about their faith and their love. And he said, he said, you're such a testimony. I glory in you, or shall we say he's boasting, not in a wrong way, for their patience and faith and all their type of afflictions that they were going through. Now, hardship, I think you'll agree with me, is inevitable in a world under the curse of sin. And standing for righteousness will not get easier as the days go by. You might be going through some times of hardship. Perhaps you've already gone through some. Maybe you will be going through some in the future. It's possible if the rapture occurs today, you won't have any between now and the rapture, right? But nevertheless, most of us, if not all of us, at some time or other are going to experience trouble. Now, I'll say some preface remarks here. I think you understand that trouble can come for various and sundry reasons. Trouble sometimes comes because we have done wrong things. And the problems we have in relationships, even our personal fellowship with the Lord, is interrupted because we have sinned. Now, we're not supposed to rejoice in when we are suffering because we have done wrong. We need to ask God for his forgiveness, and in times we need to ask other people for their forgiveness. And sometimes the consequences go on and on and on, even after we've ha asked the Lord to forgive us, which he truly promises to do. As someone said, we can choose what we do, but we cannot choose the consequences that come about as a result of what we do. So just keep this in mind. Sometimes the trials come because they're self-inflicted. As the idiom is, we shoot ourselves in the foot by doing wrong. And Peter speaks about this subject where he says, don't rejoice if you're suffering for doing what's wrong. Then there's another category, probably somewhat general when it comes to suffering, and that is we live in a sin-cursed world. And suffering comes through perhaps an accident. Sometimes suffering comes because of an illness. Sometimes suffering can come because of a mistake that somebody has made in surgery, whatever. And because we live in a sin-cursed world, we all experience the effects of the general curse upon the earth. No matter how righteous you are, how godly you are, you cannot get away from that inevitable suffering that comes because we are living in a world that's under the curse. And the Bible says uh, Satan is the god of this world, and he throws all kinds of things our way. But there's another kind of suffering that comes because of a stand for truth or a stand for righteousness. And it's very likely that if you live for Christ vibrantly, you're going to experience this kind of suffering in some way or other. 
Now, it may not be to the extent that some people are experiencing other persecuted countries, but you may have some suffering, emotional, mental suffering, because of somebody doing something against you because you have stood for what is right. This is the context of the suffering that the Apostle Paul is speaking about in 2 Thessalonians. Not be, they're not suffering because they've done wrong. They're not, they're not suffering just because of the general curse that's in this world. They're suffering because of their stand for Christ. And if you listen carefully in Acts chapter 17 that I read to you, the problems became so severe that the Apostle Paul and his co-workers, their lives were threatened and they had to escape. Why? Because they were preaching the word, they were standing for truth. And you may have had that situation happen to you where you in your home or place in, perhaps in your place of employment, maybe in your community, you stood for truth you believe that you were doing things right, and you got mocked, you got ridiculed, you got avoided, you got gossiped about, and you suffered because of your stand for truth. The Bible says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I'm not saying that you should look for it and search for it. No, but it will come inevitably if you stand for the word the way you should. Now, you are going to try to live as peacefully as you possibly can. You're going to try to have a clear heart and you do things. But when you do, live as best as you can for God. Sometimes opposition comes. And it can be very discouraging, very disheartening, and it can just really hurt. I just shared with my wife something this morning as we were driving here. I said, I really believe the Lord would want us to meet with and I mentioned the name of a pastor and his wife. And uh, I found out recently, well, I knew somewhat, but it came more clear to me when I was interacting with him on Friday. He, he's been a pastor for years, a godly pastor. He and his wife, known him for many, many years. And they had a phenomenal year last year. I mean, just people getting saved in the church and things are just going just great. And this year, it's just the opposite. It seems like everything is going against them. Gossip and so on. They're just having a real tough time. And I do not believe for one moment it's because they're doing things that are wrong. But they're trying to do what is right. And so I just say with my wife, I feel led that we need to get together with and encourage them. So just kind of giving that as a background here. You could be here today because of your stand for Christ, your testimony for Christ. You've had some things said to you in your, toward you or about you that's not pleasant, and you know about that. You've taken a stand for Christ in your domestic setting, your home, and you've got some flack about that, maybe even among some of your friends, your peers. I want to tell you, you can be encouraged in the midst of, of the trials and difficulties of life. Can a believer find encouragement when things get really difficult? What about you? Can you be encouraged? Yes. Now, this is a little side, but it's somewhat related to our 
brief testimony time, one of the best ways that you could stay encouraged is know God's word. don't remember exactly who it was. And Dolly, I think it was, shared with us. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And how that verse has helped me over and over again when trials came and unpleasantries came and even injustices came. The promises of God. So God's word can help. Well, <clears throat> what will help you and I remain encouraged through these times of, I guess we call persecution times of uh, suffering? Well, Indeed, you can be encouraged through hardship or persecution if you hold on to two particular truths. Now, there are many different truths that would help us, but there's two particular truths that I believe are mentioned in this passage of Scripture. First of all, there is a righteous God working on your behalf. Do not forget this. When the believer endures through suffering... It is like a banner displaying God's righteous character. Now, I do want to mention a passage of Scripture that kind of nails this uh, very, very succinctly. But it's in Philippians chapter 1. In verse 27, it says, Only let your conversation or your manner of life, your conduct, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now listen carefully. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. I, I'm not, when I use the term banner here, I'm not talking about you put a big placard and say, look how great I am. That's not the idea. But when you are enduring suffering with a right spirit, with a right attitude, knowing that God is in control, what you're doing is, though you may not realize this, and again, we're not talking about putting a physical banner up, but what you're doing is you're sending out a message of your testimony of how you've endured for Jesus Christ. And you are actually demonstrating that there's something superhuman happening. There's something more than you because a person can see this or at least God uses this to work in their life to see that you have something more than you that's making you rejoice in the midst of this, these problems. The very fact that God rewards his children with fortitude or strength indicates that he is a righteous God. Now, we may not grasp all this, but when you are enduring suffering, and I'm, you know, I'm enduring, I, I'm just gritting, you know, Grit my teeth and I'm just going to make it through. You know, that but when you are enduring with patience and saying, God, you're going to have to help me through this problem. You're going to help me, help me to get the emotional strength, the spiritual strength. Show me the verses that will help me. What you, and as God infuses you with his strength, 
You're showing that he is a righteous God. He's working on your behalf. I've heard of the testimonies of people throughout my life, read about them as well, where people who were unbelievers came to faith in Christ because they watched and observed other Christians going through trials, and the trials, they did not allow them to overcome them, but they allowed God to work through this. So here's, when a believer endures through suffering, it is like a banner displaying God's righteous character. I want you to notice also, remaining steadfast through suffering prepares the believer for the kingdom of God. Notice verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians. Not only is it a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, then he says it's that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffered. Are you realizing that there is a purpose that God has for you when, he's, when you're going through the suffering? God is using suffering to shape you for his eternal kingdom. Now, for those of you that have some familiarity with sports, uh, I'll share this uh, example to you. I don't want to bore those of you that don't relate to this, but I was involved very, very intensely in sports in high school and college. One of the sports I was involved in was football. And I still dream about football. Um, I, I do remember, and I will never forget, the grueling practices that we went through. Just, if you know a little bit about this, August 18th was a day that officially you could have summer football practice, which started before the school started. Well, I knew how gruesome those practices would be, so I would practice in a field near me, I would run exercise nonstop for three hours. I was crazy. You said you still are crazy. I, I'm a little wiser. I wouldn't do that now for sure. But I was trying to get myself in the best shape I could possibly get myself in, knowing how tough it would be to have full equipment on in a hot August sun and two or three hours of practice in the morning, go home for lunch, quickly come back, have another two or three hours, and sometimes the evening as well. Day after day, what did I get myself into? All oh, this incredible enduring of these drills, and oh, and even after you got done all those drills that you were doing, you'd have to do sprints, wind sprints, or run the mile, why would I do all this? Well, our coach always kept in mind what the end was. The end was a game coming on a Friday night on a Saturday. And he had always in mind, if you practice hard, you're going to be able to win. I don't know how he did it, but somehow or other he convinced us 40 or 50 players to go through extremely growing things because he saw the end, and he helped us see the end of victory in a game. Now, as ridiculous as that may be, I want to use it just by way of an analogy. God wants us always to keep in mind that the, 
the suffering, the trials, the afflictions that come into light because of our stand for Christ, if we endure them, there's going to be a victory at the end. We may not see all that victory on the side, but God is preparing us for the big game, if I use that expression. He's preparing us for his kingdom. So in those moments of sadness, in those moments of like misunderstanding, those moments of why is this happening to me, in those moments like I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can take another step. Remember the game is coming. And the big game is the victory in being in God's kingdom. And God is doing this to prepare us for this. So here's the Apostle Paul saying to people, this is not just a, a, a imaginary type of suffering. They're going through some very intense suffering. Their leaders who helped them start the church, they were whisked away. The persecution from the Jewish people is intensifying the leaders. The persecution is intensifying from the Gentiles to the Romans. Every which direction the persecution, persecution is real. And Paul says, this is all for your good. Now, philosophers have had a real struggle with this whole idea of pain and suffering. And some of them have made the deduction that uh, all pain and suffering is wrong. It has no purpose whatsoever. And so they will, will obviously give wrong suggestions and they'll give wrong advice about it. Others will say, listen, if you're suffering you know, for this, then you must be doing something wrong and so you've got to straighten that out, and, and all the suffering will just dissipate away. Not necessarily. Not if you're doing what is right. They will oftentimes cover up the suffering with what I call band-aids. You know, take this pill, drink this, whatever. And sometimes in our culture, society, we have a lot of people who are refusing to understand that God uses pain and suffering for very positive things. Now, thank God it's not going to be for all eternity. I'm glad for that. And I really would like to, I really like to escape from this world of pain and suffering. Uh, I'd like to be able to say I haven't gone through it. I do go through it. I've had some people betray me. I've had some things that knocked my socks off, so to speak, or my faith was tested all the way down to my toenails and beyond. And I thought, how in the world could this be? I mean, it's like, and then I didn't, not getting an answer from God, why God's allowing this to happen to me. I thought I was doing what was right. I've been there, maybe not as deep as you have been or others have been, but I've been there where I just had to grasp hold of the fact that God is allowing this to refine me, prepare me for eternity. Though unrighteous people may work against you, there's always a righteous God working in you and for you. And by the way, if you want to expand on how you can be encouraged through times of injustices and suffering because of righteousness, go over to 1 Peter because that's like a whole commentary on how to be encouraged and to find hope in those times. We only have a little snapshot here in 2 Thessalonians. So, 
you can be encouraged through hardship if you grasp hold of the fact that there is a righteous God working on your behalf. I want you to see another truth, and that is there is a rest promised in the future for the suffering believer. Now, let's go back, look at the verse of Scripture. Verse 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, here's the word, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. I'll stop right there and make some comments. There is a rest promised in the future for the suffering believer. Now, we're not talking about physical rest. We sometimes think of that. But there will eventually be a complete rest from the pressures and tensions accompanying persecution. And to give you who are troubled, rest with us. All right. The word literally here is the idea of loosening or relaxing of a taut bowstring. I'll just use this to maybe help provide some window into this. We've all heard of people who have been taken hostage. And when those hostages are released or rescued, you'll hear expressions both from the hostages as well as their friends or people that knew them. What a relief. And that idea, what a relief. I have been freed. I can come back to my homeland. I'm no longer under these persecutions. It's like rest. That's the idea that God gives here. So when you're going through persecution, when you're going through struggles, when you're going through the injustices in your home with a loved one or relatives or, or at your workplace or who knows where it may be, God says and gives the promise that someday there's going to be relief. There's someday there's going to be rest. There will eventually be complete rest from the pressures and tensions accompanying persecution. When the Lord comes, there will be relief from this tension and suffering. I see also that you will be able to rest because thorough judgment will forever settle all injustices. Now, we're not ones for, as Christians, we're not be gleeing and rejoicing when our enemies fall. No, we're not supposed to do that. I understand that. We're supposed to pray for those who despitefully use us. But we can see from God's word that God is going to take care of these people who are wicked and they don't know God or they don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was pointed in the direction of listening to an apologist, a philosopher, who was speaking, I believe, at Oxford University and defending the position that God exists in the presence of many, many extremely intellectual, heady, whatever, uh, the intelligentsia at Oxford University. And he did a rather profound defense of God, the creator God. I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, I'd have to listen probably 10 times to grasp a hold of all that he said. 
But one of the points he said was this, as he's defending that God exists. He said, atheists will never come to a definitive conclusion that injustices will ever be taken care of. Now, you've got to think this one through a little bit. They, they see this as a, a paradox, a, a dilemma. They see all the injustices that are taking place, but they cannot look ahead and see that any of those injustices are going to be corrected or straightened out. We have an advantage over the intelligentsia of this world who has pushed God of the picture. We can know and we can be sure of that the great God, the great creator God, is also the judge of all that's going on. All those individuals who have fought against the gospel, who are hurting Christians, who are causing ridicule, that God, even though he is a merciful God and he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, he will indeed have payday for them. Now we're going to expand upon this unpleasant subject God willing, next week. But we can say when we see something wrong done, either to us, to another Christian, to somebody we heard about, and I've heard of some people I had never met personally who went through some horrendous persecution uh, because of liberal politicians, liberal governors, who knows what, and, and you know, just terrible things, especially the last couple years. And some of them got locked up, high fines. Some of them are still paying these fines and so on. And it's just so unfair. My heart just cries out when I, I don't even know these people. And they're just, it's so unjust what's going on. Could I let you in on this? It's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. Will you say if we just vote for the right president, it'll all clear up again. Don't hold your breath. Our hope is in the Lord, not in a president, even though we want to do our res be responsible to vote for the best one we can, can think will carry forth righteousness. But our hope is a God who is a righteous God who will straighten it out. And although payday is not right now, payday will come. And God will settle those things. So although we are not looking with glee about it and so on, there is an assurance that God, who is a righteous God, will straighten out the wrongs. So there's hope. You will be able to rest because thorough judgment will forever settle all injustices. Now, I, I kind of come back to just a few closing applications, but have you experienced some trouble from others? Because of your stand for Christ? Have you lost some friends? Because of your stand for Christ? Have you lost that close relationship with relatives? Because of your stand for Christ? Do you not have a close relationship with, with maybe some neighbors? Because of your stand for Christ? I can only share just one or two things. But one that comes to my mind. Is that when I was working a number of years ago, going through school, I was working in a factory, worked in several different factories, paying my way through school. And I would sit and eat lunch or have a break, and I would invite somebody to come who I was working with or got to know 
sit, come for lunch, and sit with me. I mean, doing go in the lunchroom all the time, and I would talk to him, get to know him a little bit, and I'd share my testimony, the gospel with them. I wasn't preaching to them, although they probably interpreted it that way, but I was sharing with them the gospel, and and lo and behold, they seemed to be very courteous and kind. But then the next day at lunchtime, I could see, because in the, the way the factory was really, I could see them walking all the way around the other side. I could see them walking that way. They didn't walk right by where I was, walking all the way around. And I had a number of them, you know, um, just completely, completely avoid me. I don't even want to think about what they were saying about me. But I picked up that they didn't want to hear what I had to say. And I would try to be kind, friendly, and stuff like this. You know that feeling where they may not come out and shoot you, but they nevertheless, if they could, they probably would. You, you know that feeling, and it's very hurtful. It's, 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 it's disheartening. And especially if you're attacked, your character's attacked, whatever. It's really hard. But you, if you understand the truths that I shared this morning, that the Apostle Paul you can be encouraged because you understand. You grasp hold of the fact that there is a righteous God that's working on your behalf and he knows exactly what is going on. And scripture says, who is he who will harm you? That's a permanent harm if you be followers of that which is good. So we just know God's going to work. He's working on our behalf and we can actually display the wonderful righteous character of God will be endure the suffering, and there is a rest promised in the future for the suffering believer. Yes, the rest will come. It might not come right away. You may seem a little bits and pieces of it. You'll have internal peace that God has, but you may not have all the external peace, uh, but you can have God's wonderful peace because he's there always, always looking after your best interest. Don't you want to rejoice in this God who's there for you. I mean, the world, all they see is injustices and everything bad and it's just terrible and, and like what's happening, the sky is falling, everything's falling apart and they lose sight of the fact that God is still on the throne. He's still in charge and he will never leave me nor forsake me and he will never leave you nor forsake you as one of his children. So may God help us find encouragement in him. Thank you, Lord, for reflection upon your word. Thank you for the testimony of the Thessalonians. And in the midst of very fierce opposition and suffering, we only saw a little bit of it, and we see it revealed in your scripture, but it was bad. But they stayed true to you. They had a great testimony of faith and love and they endured through this, and as the Apostle Paul writes to them, he wants to encourage them, uh, just to point them to this great God who's watching out after them. And may we be reminded, now how tough it gets, and how difficult it may be, and we are facing, if you don't return soon, we, are, we realize we're facing some, perhaps some very fierce opposition as we stand for Christ. But may we stand firm not compromise. And then as we are moving forward for you, we thank you that you have promised to give us your strength, knowing that you care for us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed just for a moment. Just a time of reflection. You may be in that place. I don't know your circumstance. You may be in that place where you're experiencing some genuine persecution. Not because you've done wrong, but because you've done what is right. And it could be something mentally, emotionally. I don't know what the opposition may be, your workplace, whatever. And you say, I've got to get back to really trusting God through this. And I've allowed myself to get discouraged and disheartened about this, but I want to get back to find my strength in the Lord. And you have a prayer need about that. I'm not call your name out or embarrass you, but you say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? Uh, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I need that prayer support. Okay, I see your hand. I see that hand. Someone else, thank you for your honesty about this. Someone else? You're here today. You know for certain from the Bible. You'd be, you be able to give a Bible answer why you have Jesus as your Savior. Do you know for certain that God is saving? You say, Pastor, I don't know for sure, but I want to know. Could I pray for you? Just simply put your hand up, put it back down again. I pray for in these moments. Put your hand up, put it back down again. Acknowledge that. Lord, how good you are to us and how gracious you are to us. There's a few here that have some heavy hearts and need your help. And we know, Lord, that you can help encourage them. Where they've maybe stepped in the wrong direction or their faith has become weak, I pray that you would strengthen them with your wonderful promises and ministry of your Holy Spirit that you've given to them. Help us, Lord, to just keep our eyes focused on you always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, would you take your hymnals, please, and let's...